This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Llanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Welcome to the War Room. Kurt, how are you doing today? Good, good. How are you guys? Man, we're having a great time. Uh, we were just getting caught up here uh, prior to hitting record. And uh, it's funny, I always like to start with this question. And now I'm actually curious to see what it is you're going to say, just based <laughs> off some of the stuff we were talking about earlier. And that is, if uh, you could, uh, no, if uh, I want to know, do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? I would say no, I don't. Um, I do. So when you were speaking, I started thinking about this, but uh, I come from a family of engineers. Oh, wow. Okay. So definitely in my family, I would say definitely not entrepreneurs. In fact, the complete opposite. Um, but that engineering thread goes up through both sides of my family. Um, not everyone, but you know, my father was an engineer. My dad's father was an engineer. Um, my mom's brother was an engineer, um, you know, and that sort of like hard work, dedication, but also like very um, people who think a lot about things, you know, and design things and all that stuff has kind of come down the line uh, to me. So I think the engineering thread is the, is the common thing. It's actually not into entrepreneurship at all. Did you ever get a chance to go to work with your dad? Oh, man. Um, back in the day when I was little, I think I did a few times. I mean, I don't remember much about it. It was just, you know, a, a cubicle somewhere. Um, I guess then my dad had a, a bigger office later. And then he also, um, there is, I guess the entrepreneurship side might be just my dad did work as a consultant um, at some point in my upbringing. And so, as an engineer, he started working out of the house. And so I'd see, you know, I guess what that looked like. Um, and I, you know, we have an office, but I've certainly done that. And, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of working wherever I am because my brain's always thinking like, it's that engineering left, right brain, whole brain thinker. Cause that's what I would, how I would describe myself as kind of a, a systems thinker merging the left and the right and the creative and the highly technical and a lot of you know, building a MarTech or marketing technology stack um, for clients in that machine is a lot of engineering at the end of the day. It's just a matter of which, what's the engineering medium that we're talking about? Yeah, that's what I was sort of getting at because uh, if you grew up with that and then we were talking about hype life brands, right? And how you ended mm -hmm. up here, uh, it, it takes a certain system and process and interest in tech stack and how that works together and intertwined. Right. I, I that's that's my my general impression and assumption before getting into the story, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why I love asking that background. But now I'm curious, how did you get to launching Hype Life Brands? Was it like your first company? Well, technically, no. My first the, the first that I've 
you know, worked for for 20 years uh, plus or, or ran, I should say. Um, but no, I, I had that entrepreneurial thread. I, I grew up an only child um, and the entrepreneurial thread, I guess, has always been something that's been uh, just a part of me. I always I've, I've, I've written, you know, like a book chapter about this. I've written articles about it as far as you know, is it born or is it bred? You know, is it in the DNA? Is it not? I really think like at the end of the day, I feel like it's it's ultimately kind of in the DNA. Um, but as an only child, I had a lot of free time. I was very into music. I was very into design, creativity. Um, but then I'd have things like, you know, uh, summer, I don't remember what age, I was probably maybe 14. You know, my dad, because he's into, he's getting into, com- he's switching engineering lanes. So he's getting into software and computer engineering. So he like throws a book at me and says, you know, here, you can play with this. It's like a book about basic programming, like as in basic, the language. And, uh, you know, I'm not too bashful about any stuff. So I, I kind of jumped and was like, yeah, check this out, you know, because I had that interest. Um, and we had, you know, my dad was playing around with TRS-80, like old school computers and AOL, or actually CompuServe when it first came out. So like that very like, you're, you're you're like that first person at the party, you know, or you were the early guy talking about crypto and, you know, the rest of us were just like, <laughs> ah, whatever, that's stupid. And then all of a sudden there was that big wave. And then now we're in a strange place with crypto, but you know, we were, I kind of came up in, in that environment. And so I started applying that to the stuff I was doing. So I was getting into electronic music production and, uh, but also learning to play the guitar and I was also on the entrepreneurial side, I was designing, uh, like my youngest entrepreneurship role was designing greeting cards on a monochrome, you know, like single color monitor and printing it out on those like butterfly printers and cutting it up. And then I would like sell those greeting cards to my friends and mostly like my family and my, my mom's friends and stuff. Um, so that was like my first thing. Then I had a mowing business. Then I started a like an independent record label somewhere around in high school that I actually released music out for me and bands I was in, but also um, a couple other friends I knew in the, I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri, and some other friends in the area, so I released their albums. And eventually, that what that thing became and then split off into was how High Flight Brands was, was born. So I realized I love the music side, but all the design, technology, web, all the things we're doing to promote these brands as in the yeah. music um, is, what, is what's going to really feed this thing, you know, because music is an investment when you're building something like a music career music. So I split the two things off and then that's basically how High Five Brands came to be. And I, I remember building the brand, building Flash site, thinking through like, what is, you know, I don't know. It just all kind of like comes to me. Um, and I did that right before I had actually graduated from college. Um, so, and I worked in the corporate world for about a year and three quarters and I was, I got enough clients and was able to leave about six months sooner than I thought I was, I was planning on. And I have never looked back. 21 years later. It's one of those things where I imagine most of your creative friends would come to you just because you happen to be interested in like software and tech because of the way you grew up and yeah. uh, you found out, oh, there's probably a program that helps with marketing or there's probably a program. And it's really interesting that that happened, that it led to where you are now where 
you have those clients and things of that nature. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's not the everyday story. And yet it's the exact same story, this rebellion of I'm going to do what I got to do. I I know uh, Jason touches on this uh, element of entrepreneurs a lot of their, their need to just do their own thing and what that looks like. Jason, do you, do you find that interesting about his story? It is because here's what I think. I think as humans, right? We all have the entrepreneurial spirit, but that's not the same thing as that's not the same thing as going and executing. Right. Because you, you, you look at back in time when humans, we started, right. We were caveman. We were out, you know, you had to, you were a businessman. You out were out and had to, you know, beat club something to death. That day, <laughs> right. Right? Or you weren't going to eat. You weren't going <laughs> to gonna eat. Right. <laughs> so that's why I say the entrepreneurial spirit, I think is within every human being. It's whether it's what side of the brain that that sparks employee versus business owner. Right. Because yeah. not everybody is cut out to do that. Absolutely. Because if you don't have the right brain, for entrepreneurship, you're not going to take three or four failures in a row. You're going to quit, right? Right. right. You, you right. will quit. And so that's really where I think that separation of church and state between the left and right <laughs> side of the brain, <laughs> just go yeah. employee, business owner, employee, business owner. And many of the people have tried to make that transition switch across. They've failed. And it's not because they don't have adversity. It's not because they don't have resiliency. It's none of that. They're just not geared to take those shifts and yeah. take those punches in the face. It's like I say all Absolutely. the time, my wife asked me all the time, I don't know how the hell you do it because I couldn't do it. Right. Right. Um, so and I kind of yeah. look at, I kind of look at the, you know, I look at people that, I, I mean, I've done the corporate thing. I knew what it was going to be. I had an internship at Hallmark when I was in college mm-hmm. and I got, you know, it was everything I knew, already knew corporate was going to be. And that's all fine and well. Um, and then, you know, being out there, yeah, the mentality is, it's really different. And it's not to knock anybody that's doing that. In fact, a lot of our clients that are startup founders and visionary founders and entrepreneurs, like I like to say that, I work alongside as a, you know, essentially like a fractional CMO in a way and a fractional CTO to take them from idea to launching something in the market, not to knock them, but I look at that, my entrepreneurial DNA that I have, you know, over, over time fully embraced um, uh, and wrestled with at times because it is hard um, at times, but I just can't see myself in that, that role. Like I, you know, like you said, it's, it's employee business owner. Like, it's almost like you could just see people kind of like filing through in a single line and, you know, you go here, I go here, you go here, I go here. So, you know, it's just, I, I have this quote that I like to say that's, you know, ideas are a dime a dozen execution is everything. And you basically hit that nail on the head with uh, your earlier comment about executing. It's like, and that's what, you know, I love doing and helping other founders do and see it happen. You know, the difference between, oh my God, what do we do now versus no, here's what we need to do. And if you, like you said, 
coming back to like way back when I was that guy for bands and music and all that. I think that's, that was my role in the bands that I was in. It was just like, okay, here's what we've got to do. Like blank page, <laughs> huge mountain. It's like, you know, fire built before. And it's like, here's how we're going to get through that. Here's how we need to do that. We need this. We need that. We need this. And then wrapping the different tools and tactics and experience into here's how we're going to get that done. And that always got done on my watch. Um, even at like <laughs> 15. So. As a, as a fellow, as a fellow musician, I, I, I can only imagine how many times you had a record that needed to be finished and people already wanted to move on and create a new record. And you haven't even, we haven't even shipped this out yet. You know, like we've yeah. got to wrap this up before we start something else. And being someone who has the the entrepreneur bent in and also trying to be in the world of creative people, I find that like execution or completion is the thing they struggle with the most. And they have zero interest in anything marketing related until it's too late. And they're like, Oh, you know, I should have looked at marketing. I should have looked at business. And, it, <laughs> yeah. and I, I can imagine that that, that was the story and why you ended up also branching off. Cause you know, you got to eat and, uh, yeah. Yeah. and music, like you said, it's, it's sort of a, it's one of those long plays, right? That you keep that you keep running. Yep. So, so you go into hype life brands, and you're you're getting a solid footing in the industry, doing what you do as a fractional CMO, CTO. What is your current goal with uh, hype life brands, and what should the listener know? Um, I think right now, I mean, our goal is just working with more. A um, couple things, I guess I would say. So. We, I have always loved helping founders and entrepreneurs sort of bridge that gap or, you know, what I saw, um, I don't think it was Simon Sinek, but he's an author I love. Uh, but that somebody called it Dragon Gap. I think it was actually Marty Neumar that wrote Zag, which we're oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Big, big into our brand development philosophy here is, is the Zag radical differentiation. But, you know, I love working, um, whatever you want to call it, you know, I have a, a team that I've curated over many, many years. And you know, we have some people that have been a part of that team for six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. Um, but really working directly with clients and helping them build, launch, and grow powerful brands. So whether they are a startup founder, an entrepreneur, um, and like working through those hard questions, like I'm doing it now with a, a couple individuals and like I, it's maybe it's just a little scary to them, but they're also like, they need someone else that, you know, uh, one of them last week said, you know, just don't try to like sugarcoat it or be nice or whatever. Cause we're talking about monetization and how's this going to play out like long-term. Um, you know, but I, I assure her that that's just not what we do. Like, you know, I want to look at that and we don't want to be you know, strapped to a bomb, basically. And I also don't want you, the entrepreneur or the CEO, you know, if you're at an SMB and you're spinning off a new brand, like, I don't want there to be this sort of like failure that I feel like comes from yes men, you know? And we really want to look at something of, can we make this succeed? Keeping in mind that I'm a firm believer that success is very relative, you know? So... Kim Kardashian has her level of success and that's good for her. And I have my level of success. That's good for me and my agency, my company, um, and also my family and my personal life. You know, like I want to see my kids. 
Um, so, you know, when you ask like, what's the, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not going to say like, I want to expand 300% over year <laughs> over year, and, you know, have a 14 story building where I don't know the guy on the, you know, the 13th floor's name and all that, you know, but we work with a select roster of clients across the U S SMBs, startups. Um, and I think for the future ahead, I think it's just continuing to help entrepreneurs in a way through the struggle that we're kind of talking about right now, which is bringing, like, you've got this idea. And I said, you know, ideas are a dime a dozen, but execution is everything. And I think the smart entrepreneurs go, I'm going to need some help doing this. Just like I would go, I'm going to need some help changing the oil in my vehicle because that's just not something I'm, I have not spent the time to learn that skill. I would rather pay somebody who is, the master of that or to apply, you know, whatever to my car. Like I'm just not that guy on that front. Or if I was going to build a deck, I wouldn't try to do it myself. You know, I would hire, I'd bring somebody alongside to say, this is your lane. Tell me what I can do given the constraints of my house, you know? So it's the same idea. So I feel like just, you know, I know it's a sort of a blue sky answer, but just continuing to do what we're doing and doing it with more and more powerful visionaries, you know, again, whether it's an entrepreneur or it's a, you know, leader at an SMB that they're looking to create something new and they need sort of a outside set of eyeballs and, and brain on a new idea. I feel like it's a, it would be a missed opportunity if I didn't ask you, like, how do you respond when people come at you with, oh, I want to go viral because you work in brands, right? <laughs> and so people say that to you and it's your eyes have to glaze over like, because I can only imagine how often that's happened to you. How do you usually respond to them so that the, the listeners who are sitting here going, okay, I've got a brand and, and I, I want to blow up and I want everybody to know me and this and that, right? How do you usually address that? Uh, good question. I would say typically and thankfully, I think we're we're often looking at a much higher um, a higher plane, like we're looking at a farther up into the sky into the blue sky. So we're not having to answer too often, how do I go viral? It's more like, no, you have so your startup is is you know startups like the sexy word, but those of us who've done it, and built them and work with people who've built them and all that. We know that startup means, you know, struggle and pushing through and executing and continuing to iterate and all that. So going viral is such a sort of small thing and it doesn't necessarily get us from point A to point B, which in our world is a custom, basically custom designed around the, the business and the concept uh, set of KPIs. So if you go viral, it's like, what is the outcome of that really? What are we really talking about? Because usually when we're talking about viral spread, which basically unless you have some incendiary content or there's a lot of money spent behind a few choice pieces of content, that's not going to happen. And then it kind of has to like, you have to mega advertise, get it out to like millions of people and then it's got to catch fire organically from that point, but it's not just like you put up some wild video of yourself or your, your product doing something crazy. And that's going to go viral. I think people think a lot of things happen in social media that are organic 
And in the end, I would argue that most of them are highly engineered and highly funded by an advertising and media budget that's very substantial. And someone out there or an entity or the investor or the VC or whoever, they've provided this business or brand enough capital to do that and to take that risk. So I know that's maybe a complex answer, but that's how I would answer that is like, I'm looking at user registrations, uh, cost of customer acquisition for the next six months, 12 months, 24 months, you know, like we just prepped the deck for one of our clients of three years now uh, that's going out for a seed round raise. They're now ready. Okay. And some of these numbers are coming under intense scrutiny that we talked about with the founder from day one, I talked about with the founder from day one, and we've been able to get those charts and those numbers up and to the right. And, you know, it's all, it's all good stuff. And that's what really matters. So if you're an entrepreneur, you've got a brand, just like you said, and you want it to get known by lots of people, that's a process and it takes time and it's a growth. And, you, and I believe that you want something where you can make that into what I like to call a marketing undercurrent, like something that's just running and growing like a river, you know, not, oh my God, we had this big explosion and we had this one post <laughs> go viral and I sold 500 things. And then it's kind of like, well, now what? Now what? You're, you're growing a business shouldn't be about trying to think of like the next trick or like growth hack um, to grow it to the next thing. So we you know, Instagram and Facebook and TikTok all love that we're talking about this right now. But the reality is those of us who've been in the trenches and built something, I think anyone would really know that that have survived past, you know, three, six months uh, would know that it takes a lot more than stringing viral moments together to to grow a business or a brand. Oh, man, that's exactly the answer I was looking for, because I can imagine there's at least one listener who's going, yeah, I'm going to get that viral piece of content. And I just want to like, <laughs> it's true. I, I, I've worked with enough people who ask me to do something. And then the first thing they do is like, oh, well, I want everybody to know about it. And I love that you said, essentially, if you're considering your brand, think of it in terms of KPIs. And it sounds like you can't go wrong with that. And there's yeah. this longevity philosophy pathos to what you're talking about. So I, I love that. And I want to give the floor to Jason. I imagine I've been stepping over the entire conversation. <laughs> I'm sure you got a thing or two you want to chime in on. It's very simple. What gets measured gets managed. What gets managed mm -hmm. gets improved, right? That's yes. what KPIs are designed to do, right? And, you know, maybe the one-off chucklehead here and there does a stupid bunch of jackass videos, right? And Mm -hmm. They catch on fire and well, then you have the next episodes of Jackass, right? Right. Yep. Which, there you go. There's a good example, right? Yeah. Of, of that, right? But that's so few and far between, right? That, yeah. And, and there again, it just goes back. I've said this a million times, it goes back to the Hollywood portrayal of business and what it is. And, you know, yep. everybody sees what's in front of the curtain. Nobody opens the curtain and goes, holy shit. <laughs> all right let me, let me shut that real quick <laughs> right you've been doing what how many thousands of hours went into this in the last year you know like right. yeah it's, people have people have no idea um but i i love it's just what i'm built for you know like one of our clients uh called the called me you know and and my team behind me like uh, a hard charger like you always mm. need a hard charger on your team 
I feel like, you know, that was a term that really stuck out to me. And I hear a lot of things and read a lot every single day. And so that really, I love how he phrased that, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like if I'm awake, like some part of my brain is thinking, even if I'm not in the office or not driving to the office, um, like I'm thinking about how can we improve that? And I think that quote that you just said, Jason, about, you know, what's, uh, I'm going to have to probably email you about that, but what gets measured gets, what gets what measured gets managed, gets managed, and what gets, managed, gets, managed improved. gets improved. That's uh, it. That's exactly. That's like our, that that's in the critical path of all that we do here, I think is a, is an interesting way to phrase that. And I, I also think that it's great to point out as an observer of human behavior here that you took the time to to pay attention to someone that coined something like hard chargers and you're like, yes, that, that just goes to show the type of branding work you do. It's not just KPIs, but you're also looking for concepts that people can latch on to, to run with in their mm-hmm. operations, much like someone who's, let's say, read the seven habits of highly effective people and they're mapping out the values and like, how do I want to live? Right. And, and then that's your KPI. Have I been patient today? I said that was one of my values. Right. And yeah. so the same thing goes with building a brand is what I'm picking up from, from having this conversation with you. So that's right. That's right. And we talk about, we talk about that in our early, uh, our brand development, not branding, but brand, you know, branding is a subset of brand. That's the visual part, the logo stuff, the colors, all that. But we're talking at, you know, higher level brand, which is like what people say about your company, your service, your thing, your product, when you're not in the room. Um, but in our early stage, our vision phase of what we do, we talk about that, that kind of humanization of the brand, you know, so if this, if this brand went to a party, how would it speak? How would it dress? How would it appear in the room? How it is, how is it going to manifest itself in the world? Because before you answer questions like that viral video question, I want my brand to get known by a lot of people. You have to really be clear about what you're saying and how you're saying it. You know, and and a big piece of what you know, I mentioned Simon Sinek. Like, what is the why of this thing? You know, what's the compelling starting with why concept here that we can lead with, and then we talk about how it gets done and what that thing is. But you know, um, you know, it's like kind of like purpose driven brand, I guess, <laughs> in yeah. a way. So yeah. no, I, I'm I'm a big fan of of the philosophy you have behind the work that you're doing. And so now that we know sort of your goal also being to continue to work with these visionaries and that you're selective about who you work with, so you're not out to just get any client, right? Uh, right. If people did want to get a hold of you, how how would you prefer for them to reach out to you? Uh, they can visit our agency site. It's hypelifebrands.com, H-Y-P-E-L-I-F-E brands.com. Uh, you can also find me, a lot of people connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I know you're my name at the beginning of the show, but it's, it's Kurt, C-U-R-T, and then Cushino, C-U-S-C-I-N-O. Find me there. You can also visit uh, my personal site, which is KurtCushino.com. And either our agency site or my personal site have information about the work I do and, and how I and my team you know, transform brands and work alongside those visionary founders in a fractional capacity um, that can scale to that's highly flexible um, as things grow, both of those sites have a online chat feature that I actually pick up. Like if I, again, 
24 seven. So that's actually me. It's people sometimes chat in and they're like, is this a real person? <laughs> and I say, of course it is. Yes, it's me. Like, you know, because what what could be better? Like, let's start a conversation. That's what it's really about. So uh, you can also reach out to me direct at Kurt, C-U-R-T at highflyfriends.com. So any vector, it's all the same to me, whatever you're good with. Right on. And uh, there's a question I mentioned earlier, not the grand finale yet. But uh, if, if you if you could if you could go back knowing what you know now, doing the kind of work that you're doing, and then had the opportunity to speak to yourself when you were helping your friends sort of get their their music out there and sort of pushing them, and you're like, oh, you know, I got this thing going with business, and like maybe I should maybe I should look into that more. What would you say to yourself knowing what you know now? I think the idea. I think what I would say is something along the line of you know, remember that no matter where you start or when you start, it's part of a journey and life can have multiple journeys running in parallel. So don't be so focused on the hard stops and the hard goals and the, you know, X percentage of growth this year that setting these goals and like hitting them. And then considering that you, maybe you failed if you didn't hit it, it was supposed to be 12% and you get, you got to seven, you know, like, it's all those meters are just sort of markers and sort of success factors. Um, but that, that success is relative. Like the fact that you did 7% is still better than 0%. And it's a hell of a lot more than most people have done because most people are working as an employee for someone else and they don't have all those concerns. You know, that they, that's the horse blinders, you know, we don't have any horse blinders on those of us who are the entrepreneurs who have or are building something. So I think, remember the journey. It's a process. Um, Enlist help along the way. Don't be afraid to ask for help. um, And don't be afraid to start those those conversations, for sure. Have a Sherpa. That's a term I heard from somebody. (laughs) I really do like that idea of like, look, if you're going to, especially if you're starting out and you set some kind of uh, goal that you wanted to reach, some kind of metric, and you only got 7% instead of the 10 that you were looking for, or the 12. It's like, great. Now you know that the work you did amounts to about 7%. So what does that mean, right? If you double that, you might get 14% in terms of right. doubling down on your efforts instead of saying, oh, yeah. So I, I like that because it's, it, it's sort of something we've heard a lot on this show of this accepting the reality, both the good and the bad, or as uh, Jason likes to say, embrace the suck, right? Like, like, like deal yeah. with it. <laughs> yeah. Not so many, not so many hard stops, but more of like, you know, as Bruce Lee would say, you know, be like water, right. you know, just keep, keep following that river, you know? And, uh, and with that, uh, we're going to head into the grand finale and just checking in with Jason. Any thoughts? <laughs> well, so here, here's a thought and it's a, in my opinion, it's a misnomer and it's an old way of thinking. And that is, uh, if I work harder, I'll make more money. Mm. And that's simply just not true. Right. Cause yep. I can bust my ass doing all the wrong shit and not make <laughs> any money. Right. So absolutely at the end of the day, it's doing the right things. And that's why we have these things called mentors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. The people that have taken all the arrows in the back. Right. So yeah. you don't have to. Um, 
And that's a fatal flaw of what a lot of people get caught in ego and, and all these things. And I have to have control. And, and then they make all these mistakes they didn't really need to make, right? And instead yeah. of leaning on somebody who's already been there and done that. It's complete horseshit, to be quite honest, because people let their ego get in their way. They let, I got to hang on to it really tight. And, you know, I'm the only one that can do it. Right. Those are the reasons. Those are, there's many, but I'm just saying those are some of the reasons why a lot of startups fail is because they're Mm -hmm. not willing to bring somebody in and go, look, I'm the jackass in the room here. Help me out. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right. If people would just be more honest about it. There'd be way more success in the long run. And yeah. there again, that's why you hire people like you to come in and make sure that's all unwound properly. And then the fish and strings not flying out of the reel. Right. So, right. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's, that's, uh, that's a takeaway. I think people need to really get from that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a solid theme of like, even from the beginning of the conversation when you were bringing it up, Kurt, of like, look, I myself go to a mechanic because I don't do mechanic stuff for cars. It's that mm-hmm. simple. And you've got to be willing to do that. And mm-hmm. from there, that's for anyone at any level is if you're not open to delegation, then you don't seem to understand the way life works, <laughs> especially right. not business, right? Right, <laughs> Absolutely. right on. Uh, so with that, the grand finale question now, Kurt, is uh, if you, after everything we just talked about, if you could have invited anybody today to join us, dead or alive, who would you have loved to have had here, whether to contribute or just listen, and why? Well, since this is kind of like something I've had to think about for about, 30 minutes um i would i would go with michael jordan we'll go with michael jordan on this because i've always been a fan of michael jordan's and i have uh actually i've found my book of like basketball cards that i've collected since i was like 14 um re- kind of recently um and and i've watched the documentary that came out really recently and, it, and i love getting to the story behind the story i love watching you know, Puff Daddy or Diddy work. I, I just saw a Bad Boy Entertainment documentary too. Same thing. Like, like so. Watch, watching Michael Jordan and watching a guy like Diddy, but the, the answer would be Michael Jordan. Is the story behind the story? The things you don't see. The like you said, the the arrows in the back, and you get to see that every now and then. Like that documentary showed you some of that with Michael Jordan. Um, you know, some teammates and comments and feelings and. You know, when we talk about business and startups and, you know, there's there's stuff that goes into that, too. Um, it's kind of different. But somebody like Michael Jordan has just worked. He's had such focus. Um, such focus. And Diddy, I think, has that same thing. And you know who else has that is Kendrick Lamar when I think about it. And you don't hear them crying about it really either. Like you can't find much about Ken, like Kendrick Lamar out there. Or even Michael Jordan, like where they're talking negatively about this experience or that experience. It was just for them, it was part <laughs> it was part of the journey. I think at the end of the day, it's part of the journey. And they they know that. And I think the sooner that they were able to embrace that was probably better for their personal psychology and their their humanity, you know. And I I want to exemplify that and apply that myself too, you know. And I hope that 
anybody listening to this at least does that if nothing else you know just um and then i think those are that's like the pathway to greatness at the end of the day you know and doing something then leaving a mark that matters so I love that answer, man, because I can I can literally point to I can go on LinkedIn right now and expect to see at least one post of somebody complaining that there are arrows being slung. <laughs> mm-hmm, and and, right. and here and here we're talking about how the greats do it. They go, yeah, that was part of the that's that expected, you know. Yeah, like and, what's that what's that game Michael Jordan played where he was he had like the flu? It was a finals game. Remember that? I don't know if you guys are. I saw, so I saw, I saw the documentary you're talking about. I, I just, it, I remember uh, bits and pieces, but I do recall like how it didn't matter what he was going through, how, whether he was yeah. injured or not, he found a way to stay in the game regardless right. of what it was. Right. I believe it was a pivotal uh, NBA finals game, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm not like the stats guy, stats memory guy, but um, yeah, I think it was one of the like really clutch game. And like, he just, you know, I mean, literally had like the flu flu, like bad, you know, and, and he still operated it. still crazy operated. but that's what you do you know that's what it that's what it takes um, yeah man he relied on the conditioning knowing that he's already been through so much he's trained yeah. his body while he may not be a hundred percent he's still 80 percent, and maybe he can delegate some of what he would normally do to that's his right. team. right that's right <laughs> that's right great point. hey man oh this is a great great conversation kurt thank you so much again for stopping by man i want to i want to give the floor to jason to roll this out as he usually does and is traditionally done thank you for yeah having me. just uh thanks for being here we have 168 hours in a week and you took the time you know the 30 minutes to stop by and see us that means something um you know because we look at life right it's like cars money houses all these things right all that stuff can be replaced but mm-hmm. the one thing that you can't replace is that right there that's, um, that's right it, that keeps rolling no matter what no matter how many <laughs> arrows are coming down the pipe and uh right. so thanks for taking the time to be here and spend a little bit of time with us and drop your knowledge on this audience and just know that Somewhere out there, somebody's listening to this right now, and you help them. And that, Absolutely. my friend, my pleasure. Is, that's my pleasure. that's priceless. So, yeah. so thank you for being here. My pleasure. My pleasure. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates and always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.